Welcome everyone to another edition of the Dress of a Watch podcast. Hi. So, today's topic will be, um, we're going to talk to Robert, the founder of, uh, or not particularly the founder, but he's responsible for the rebirth of Karl Suchi and Söhne, an Austrian watchmaking company that used to produce clocks for um, the monarchs, the emperors of the Austro-Hungarian monarchy. So we will have a nice chat with him to talk about how how it all happened. So we're going to wait for him to join in and then we're going to have a chat with him about Karzuki. Perfect. Okay, so he's in here already. Hello. Hi, Nico. So, very good, very good. How are you? Fine, perfect. Very nice. <laughs> nice very meeting nice. you uh, digitally. <laughs> yeah, very. I prefer yeah. I prefer an analog meeting with a nice glass of Viennese wine or something. Yeah, would it be nice too? Would it be nice too? I would not say no to that. <laughs> okay. Very good. So thank you for agreeing to do this. It's um, it's actually my pleasure to have you here today after having a look at your nice watches. So. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. It's uh, for us an honor and uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to our conversation. Very good. Very good. So maybe um, to start off, maybe you can tell us how, how did you get into the world of watches? Well, uh, really by accident, I would say. I'm not uh, like uh, coming from collecting. I'm not coming from brand management. I'm coming uh, from the arts in that case. I was uh, curating an exhibition on arts and design. Uh, at the Milano Biennale uh, Museum, and uh, by researching uh, historic uh, design and uh, design companies, I came across uh, Karl Suche and Söhne, which was uh, really uh, the most important uh, watchmaker of the Austrian Empire. And I, I felt really like sad and, and surprised that with such an amazing legacy of three generations of Bavaria to the Habsburg court, uh, this brand. Uh, was all forgotten. So I said, uh, what can I do? And um, uh, for me, it was all about then, uh, about the creative uh, act in a way, uh, and uh, to really uh, get this uh, out of uh, uh, being forgotten completely. And I researched, uh, we researched, uh, uh, went to the archives, uh, went to, there's one family member still around. And uh, that's how we got started. And uh, then I got to know a young uh, watch designer. I got uh, to know an, an amazing watch master, um, Mark Yenny, uh, in, uh, in his atelier, we are doing all our watches. So it was like uh, putting many pieces together and um, I had uh, wasted all my savings in a way uh, to get this dream of uh, my own watch on my hand and my yeah. wrist uh, on track. So it was really a pure passion and laughing honestly um i never thought that i would uh, get into <laughs> selling watches and uh making watches and designing watches and yeah 
That's, that's actually a very cool story because in, in fact, when the first time I got in contact with your brand, I didn't know anything um, about the history and everything. And um, uh, a good friend of mine, Ines Kasparek, she, she took me to Basel to your booth last year. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that was the first time I got in contact. And then I thought, okay, very interesting. I did not know that there's like a, a Austrian watchmaking brand with such a long history. Yeah. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the history of the brand yeah. because it's, well, it's uh, actually amazing. <laughs> it's, it started out in 1822. And uh, perhaps in the background, I don't know if you can see it. Uh, I can go closer. Yeah. Do you see in the background? Uh, yeah, me... I see the clock, yeah. So this is, for example, a wedding clock uh, from uh, the Biedermeier around 1870. And Karl Suchi, he started out in 1822. Uh, and uh, back then there were like thousands of watchmakers in the Habsburg Empire, of course. But he was uh, like outstanding in a way because as soon as his uh, sons joined the business, they really went in a way from a business point of view of globalization back then. They went uh, really uh, very international. Uh, they opened um, first in Prague, then in Vienna, and then a, uh, a pocket watch manufacturer also in La Chaux-de-Fonds. And for wow. example, I have here like a piece wow. uh, with the original case, and uh, it's like really museum pieces. Uh, yeah. And you see, for example, the logo is uh, still uh, from a brand perspective. Uh, it's basically we redraw, we were redrawing the logo basically. It's like a double griffin which, yeah. uh, for example, Venice has on its uh, flag, it's a sign of power. Uh, and uh, it has also, of course, the Habsburg crown on top and also the double eagle for the Habsburg, Austrian Habs uh, Hungarian Empire. And uh, this was, for example, uh, the little uh, store uh, they had in uh, Prague and then Rotendomstrasse in Vienna. Cool. And... Um, in the background, for example, you see another legacy brand uh, from the Habsburg era, Tonet, um, which basically yeah. was uh, IKEA of the 19th century. Yeah. So at, back at that time, also to become purveyor to the Habsburg court, these were the most innovative uh, people, uh, the most radical entrepreneurs uh, in a way. And uh, for example, uh, years later, he was uh, respect, uh, respected so much that he was uh, invited to represent uh, the watchmaker guild at the famous, uh, there was like a corso celebrating the 30th uh, wedding okay. anniversary of Franz Joseph the uh, first and Sisi. Uh, <laughs> so there was uh, a, a beautiful makat uh, and an art star from back then. He organized uh, a uh, corso which was uh, going around the Ringstraße to celebrate uh, this uh, wedding. And he was dressed up as a medieval watchmaker <laughs> to represent his guild. And, Very cool. uh, and of course, uh, first of all, um, with the Habsburg, purveyor uh, to the Habsburg court for three generations, and from about 40 years, he was the only one admitted. Uh, big, uh, big celebrations, for example, at the castle in uh, Prague or also at the uh, Imperial Palace in Vienna. Uh, specially decorated with table clocks, wall clocks, etc. So we were not yet talking about the pocket watches. Pocket watches uh, uh, were coming later. And the pocket watches, for example, one big uh, customer of ours, a famous one, is uh, this guy. 
Sigmund Freud that we all need at this time of Corona <laughs> uh, to prevent true, from going yeah. crazy. And uh, so this is uh, the legacy. And I think uh, part of, uh, I think also of our startup success in a way was that uh, for any luxury brand, uh, it's very important to have a legacy. Uh, might, uh, in our case, it started, of course, with this uh, ingenious uh, watchmaster. Uh, but for, if you look at the big, uh, important uh, uh, watch or also other luxury brands, they all can count on a wonderful uh, legacy. That's, and, true, yeah. that's one uh, important part. But um, so the story we are telling is not like a marketing gag or fake or something. It's uh, really in the archives. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, actually, you're getting treated really bad uh, in the archives of the Imperial uh, Archives here in Vienna. Uh, much better in Prague, actually. Uh, you have to sign out forms and, and really be still like a, a citizen of the empire. So you have to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really an exciting uh, journey. And then when, we, when I decided, okay, I want to make my watch, uh, of course, I had in mind Suki, the old Suki, uh, he shouldn't turn around in his grave when he sees my, my yeah. book. And so I really decided uh, on the one hand, not to just imitate the past, like do an old fashioned wristwatch, a classical one, uh, based on the design of back then, but continue where Suki stopped. That was basically uh, around uh, 1900, 1920. Uh, and that was the area of uh, uh, Viennese modernism with uh, Klimt, uh, Schiele uh, in the arts, but also like Hoffmann in design or Adolf Loos in our case. And um, so this was from a design uh, point of view, very important uh, to really continue the journey and not just to repeat uh, the journey. And uh, also from the design development uh, with Milo Schwistin, a young designer uh, who had not left university yet, but uh, again, with all the passion, I schlepped him through Vienna many times <laughs> and to each schnitzel and uh, drink the Viennese wine and uh, go, go to the uh, Lowe's house, the famous uh, Lowe's house or the Mack collection of uh, Viennese modernism. So to get him a total immersion into Viennese uh, elegance and uh, lifestyle. And the result was then uh, Waltz number one. And uh, we can talk about the design, we can talk about the handcrafting aspect, but these are all very important components, I think. Uh, yeah. Also where we wanted to have the watch price-wise uh, from the quality uh, perspective, from the movement. So, yeah. But I am talking too much. In the... <laughs> no, 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 no. The, 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 the story I want to tell is uh, basically have you tell your story behind everything. And, and it's very, very interesting for me to, to hear this story and to share it um, because I feel that a lot of these stories, they they get lost and they sometimes get lost due to a lot of marketing, but also get lost due to the lack of being able to tell them. So what I like is also in one of my talks um, a week ago, um, there was a young guy and he said that the most interesting part behind the watches are the people and the people create the stories. The watch is a mechanical piece. It's made out of metal, but basically the story is created by the person who's using it or who's creating it. And so for me, it's super interesting in, in, in seeing these or listening to these stories. And so 
I'm very, I was very, very fond of your story. Um, and I, I think what you did with the world number one was amazing. I was lucky uh, to try it. And I must say, I have never had a watch that felt so amazing on the watch. Uh, really? on the wrist wow. Because it's so light. And it, 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 it really, I, I would have expected it to be a more dressier watch, a bit uh -huh. more elegant and not to be worn on a daily basis. Yeah. But I was, um, I, I found out that you can wear it on a daily basis, actually. Yeah. Well, that, uh, again, you know, uh, I mean, I'm on the one hand uh, conservative, but on the other hand, working in the arts, uh, I'm, uh, you know, uh, dealing with many cutting edge contemporary artists. So uh, as it, uh, I didn't want to have like a stuffy wristwatch. I, I wanted a, an elegant one, uh, but with a kick. Uh, and uh, in that sense, I think uh, when you look at the, the, the forms, it's uh, super slim because of our movement. Uh, we are working out with uh, Rocher and then um, adapted in the atelier of uh, Magiene, but it's very slim on the one hand. Uh, the Lux, uh, super adapting to the wrist. And then from the design language again, uh, you have very much um, a language inspired by Adolf Loos, the famous architect. For example, you see from the material point of view, all the uh, materials, leather to the steel, steel to the glass, um, they all connect seamlessly. So that was very much also in his architecture. If you visit the, the Loos house, yeah. uh, he combines uh, the marble with the wood, the wood with uh, the metal. So it uh, gives this Venus elegance, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, what also I think um, is very poetic, uh, hopefully, in Vienna, we are not a speed capital like London or New York. So I said, okay, uh, our second hand uh, is disappeared and turned into a waltzing circuit. I think you cannot really see it on, on that. Yeah. So it's slowly moving once a minute, it turns around and then closes the ornamentation uh, on both sides again. So you know it's moving, <laughs> but uh, not every second counts. So yeah. again, this uh, was, a, yeah, I think it's uh, lots of thoughts went into the design. It was not just like this happening, but uh, it was like three rounds. And we are currently working on a, on a table clock, for example. And again, it's like, uh, one round, the second round, the third round, and uh, now the designs are already at the uh, at the um, uh, watchmaster here in Vienna, uh, Therese Wimmer uh, and Rainer Much, and uh, so hopefully we can develop our uh, line and collection uh, along along the way that it gives something, especially Viennese contribution, you know, because there are so many brands, watches, types. Uh, hopefully. The, uh, our work gets uh, recognized. Okay, this is uh, from Vienna. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I think that you you I was I was thinking that the rotating disc was a nice, cool feature that you would not expect. But you put it in you put it in much better words. You said it was waltzing around um, the dial, and and I think that's that's also an aspect. And I'm pretty sure that this is also one point why it's called the waltz. Um, uh, it's playing, of course, a little bit with the Viennese cliches. Yeah. <laughs> in January, it was still possible to uh, go to the ballroom dancing. It is yeah. so unique and uh, it's still very much not uh, a tourism thing. It's really people love it. I love it. 
and uh, it's uh, it's something very special, you know. So we have actually a couple of collectors that really bought the watch because they wanted to have on their wrist uh, a piece of Austria, you no, know, a piece of Vienna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they work in Paris or work in Shanghai, or so. Yeah. So I think we have a, we have one question that will fit in here quite nicely right now. Uh -huh. So um, I'll just put it up. Markus is saying, is there a reason for the Swiss made on the nine o'clock? Uh, not in particular, but of course, everyone gives it uh, uh, on the six. So again, it was perhaps uh, also with the balancing. I, I would have to return the, and ask my, uh, my designer, but uh, yeah. No, no specific reason, actually. But this is also a very nice point to make. Uh, you, you produce the watches um, in, uh, in Switzerland, right? Yes. All and... parts uh, are sourced uh, at this point uh, in Switzerland because, again, you know, uh, when I was uh, developing the project, I thought uh, I really want to be at the, uh, the height of watchmaking and to work with Washi, to work with Mark Jenny who uh, is a former member of this uh, Academy the, of Independent Watchmasters, uh, on the 30, I think, uh, members. Uh, I wanted to be at the top of the game again, uh, like Suki was. And yeah. uh, I had, for example, discussions with a Hong Kong investor, industrialist in the watch business, and he said, Robert, are you crazy? Uh, at this cost of goods uh, so high, and then uh, with uh, so few pieces, um, are you talking business with me or are you still talking about art? <laughs> and uh, yeah, but uh, it's, it was a very conscious decision. And uh, I think people recognize that, uh, that we didn't put just a, uh, an ETA, which is a, a great movement, of course, uh, but it's, uh, it's different. Uh, we are working with uh, Washi that works with uh, Richard Mill, uh, with Hermes. And, uh, and again, uh, Mark, for example, we, I just uh, got today a customized um, watch with uh, only one uh, dial because uh, this specific collector, he wanted to have it even more reduced uh, yeah. than our watches already. And so we can do that in our atelier with uh, the, the handcrafting mastery of, uh, of Mark. Or for example, when we did uh, the skeleton, I, unfortunately I don't have it uh, with me, here this very cannon. nice piece a very nice piece it's amazing piece uh, yeah. we got uh, from the uh, provider of the dial we didn't they didn't they didn't get it so uh, basically mark uh, did it uh, in his uh, atelier with uh, there's only two people there yeah uh, uh, and hand uh, hand phrasing i don't know hand cutting uh, this uh, yeah. uh, so yeah it's uh it's uh, very important to, of course, uh, some people ask me, hmm, but you have Viennese brand, why don't you do it in Vienna? Uh, and actually, uh, it, it, uh, it's not possible. We don't have uh, the cluster uh, that would um, support us with that plan. But uh, then again, we want to strengthen the DNA. And uh, as of uh, now, we hope that in fall, we can present a, a table clock, uh, which is um, designed, uh, crafted, um, and hopefully sold here in Vienna. Well, I already <laughs> sold one. Just very from, good, very good. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah, that's that's good. I think I think the aspect of creating watches in Switzerland is is really something that uh, is very important as well. You have you have all these um, amazing people there that can create 
um, anything basically you want and um, you don't have the possibilities you, you would have. Yes, you would uh, but again, uh, when I discuss with Mark, for example, the next project, uh, there are uh, at this point uh, amazing uh, people in, in China too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can uh, get amazing quality uh, from some of these uh, manufacturers. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I, I mean, now we are in Corona time, so uh, everything may, may change a little bit and uh, near sourcing, etc., cetera, is, uh, is a hot topic. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. So do you help with the designs or? Um... I'm guiding the design. I'm yeah. responsible. Um, I'm 25 years now in the arts. Uh, so I think I have a very clear uh, vision yeah. uh, of uh, what uh, works and what not. Um, I'm, I'm, I know artists that always want to make it more beautiful, more beautiful, so there's a certain design freeze. But, uh, the, the, but then again, uh, I think every or any designer needs uh, guidance. I, and I think the best uh, results you get when there's like this creative uh, spark, when uh, due to discussion and similar minds, uh, uh, hopefully uh, the result gets uh, to a very special uh, point. Yeah. Uh, challenging enough, you know, because there are already so many brands and so many designs. And yeah. for example, I have uh, over there a brochure, a catalog about uh, sports watches. Uh, many would not be able to discern you know, which is which brand. Uh, they all yeah. the same. So, yeah. for example, in in our case, we would like to do a, a more a sporty, elegant watch. Uh, but then again, the question is, okay, what is our uh, take on it? Uh, yeah. Something special, like here the rotating disc. Uh, that's yeah. really a challenge. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, we have one question from Chrono Passion. He would like to know when the table clock would, will be available. <laughs> have you, do you have, do you have a, a roadmap for the table clock yet? Uh, yes, actually, uh, the design, uh, the designs... Um, were handed over last week from our designer to the watchmaster. And uh, she's now, uh, based on the designs, uh, sourcing uh, the, the parts and talking to the handcraft uh, people in the Waldviertel. Yeah, right. Uh, the area. <laughs> but high handcraft uh, people, yeah. metal, etc. Uh, it's like uh, one hour, not one, one hour from Vienna. Uh, and uh, I hope to get uh, the estimates uh, within the next uh, couple of weeks and we hope to present it before Christmas. Very nice. Uh, okay. and, uh, it will be, you know, again, people ask me, Robert, are you crazy? A table clock, who buys a table clock? There's the Atmos and uh, okay, this is being sold for 80 years or what. Uh, but again, for me, it's uh, a passion thing, you know, yeah. famous for this kind of uh, bedding clocks, etc. And um, I want to do the, this, you know, because I think <laughs> Uh, this is the right thing for our brand and for, yeah. for our DNA and our philosophy. Yeah, that's very, that's very cool. I, I think I, I totally agree. I think if you have this passion and if you have these, these values, you should always stick to those values because having continuity in, in terms of the design and the DNA is very, very important yeah. in today's world. The only challenge is to stay liquid, you know, the liquidity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, actually we... Uh, we had a very good first quarter, and uh, so yeah, we are we are we are doing fine. And uh, so uh, pre-orders, uh, we can we can I have we had one uh, little private event at the Hotel Sacha, this famous yes. Hotel Sacha, and they had some first drawings, 
And uh, from the drawings, uh, one uh, uh, very dear collector of ours, um, he ordered one. He wants to have the number one. Very cool. And, um, so I have to deliver. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they should be ready uh, before Christmas, hopefully in fall. Very, very, it's very cool. Yeah, very but, cool. But we are not communicating yet the design. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's 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 totally totally fine. I think I think keeping up the excitement till till the last moment is a good idea. Yes, yeah, sleepless nights for me. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. So um, I have one I have one more question, or it's not really a question, but it's definitely my my favorite part about the waltz, and that's the rotating disc. And um, mm -hmm. should I put it in the, in the? Yeah, please put it in again. Um, so it was very, very amazing to look at this piece because if you look at it long enough, it really takes you in, and it feels like you're in a different world. I, I really, truly have to say that. Hi hypnotizing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit hypnotizing, definitely, and um, it's it's very nice because it's if if. You put it under a time a time lapse, you will see that it it actually rotates. But you would you don't always notice that it changes. So that's a very very nice. Yes, uh, it's because of the light and the shadow. No, it exactly yeah. uh, with the decoration we did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I think the part where it seamlessly um, blends in with the dial is also very very. Yeah. You, cool. you feel you feel really. I mean, also when we present the watch and people first don't notice it. But then when they know this, there's like always like a big smile. No? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Very cool. So um, I have one last question for mm -hmm. you. Um, because you said in terms of maybe sport watch, um, watch clocks, how many, how, how long does it take to make one of the Wilds watches? Uh, we have a production cycle of uh, seven months, actually. Wow. Mm. That's very cool. And uh, uh, so we, we have, uh, for example, uh, of course, we have a little bit on stock. Uh, but for example, we are, uh, for the blue one, we are on a waiting list now for the black skeleton. Yeah. Uh, uh, we are on a waiting list now. Um, this is the black one uh, here. Yeah. Like really a piece. Uh, it's, it's an amazing piece, really. I yeah. like the, the black one most, actually. Yeah, with the golden rotor, uh, micro rotor, the skeletonized uh, movement uh, in the back is uh, really crazy. It's a piece of art, and uh, so it's, it takes uh, seven months. Um, yeah. Wow. And, uh, and our production is very small, huh? uh, very, super small. We are uh, talking about uh, fifty pieces. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I think I, I've talked about it a lot of times already, and I I, I really appreciate the the um, design and the innovativeness of independent brands in terms of what they are doing and how they're doing it. It's, yeah. always, it's always a pleasure to, to, to see these pieces because they are really unique. Yeah, no, def definitely. It's, uh, it, it will be um, a question how the market uh, altogether develops because if you look at the latest studies, for example, by my friend Olivier Muller, uh, that basically five big brands uh, are taking, I don't know what, 90% uh, of all the, um, the, the business, um, like 60% of the business volume, but 90% of uh, what you can make uh, money-wise. 
there is of course uh, for the small independents uh, a, uh, a super great niche and wonderful collectors and uh, like Passion, amazing uh, dealers uh, that have a uh, really um, share the passion. Um, really, my, my, my biggest admiration goes to these people that innovate and uh, also take on these smaller brands. But also for the smaller brands, also for us, for example, we have to think about uh, a little bit of a growth because I think um, on the long run, you have to reach, I don't know, 200, 300 uh, pieces a year. And uh, then you can sustainably develop, uh, I think. Uh, at, at this point, we were, uh, yeah. So that's a really a business challenge. Uh, um, last quarter, for the first time in uh, more, more than 100 years, we were cash flow positive. So <laughs> it's uh, something to celebrate, but it's a challenge. Also, right. to, uh, for example, the, the investment to develop a game clock or the investment in uh, going uh, for another piece for the collection to extend the collection it's always uh, lots of uh, time uh, money and and passion yeah. yeah definitely yeah very very cool it has been a big pleasure talking to you robert thank My you pleasure. thank you for sharing your story okay yeah so see you in so the end for a real drink soon okay yes hopefully hopefully very bye -bye. soon thank you bye-bye bye-bye So this was a talk with uh, Robert from Karl Suchi and Söhne, and it was a very, very uh, stunning one. I must admit that I was able to look at both the waltz number one in the black and the white dial, and I must say they are very, very amazing pieces. If you're ever in the business or if you're ever here in Vienna, go check out their store, have a look at the watches, put them on, um, you won't regret it and uh, take a look, take a deep look at the rotating uh, seconds disc. It's amazing. So thank you again um, for tuning in today. It's been a pleasure of mine and um, we, I will be back tomorrow.